0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Soccer from the Zoo's Kansas City Soccer Update. I'm Kyle Pinnell, and this week I am super excited as I was able to pick the brain of Joe Lowry about everything sporting Kansas City. Normally on these Fridays, I would have some audio and like I did last Friday, but other times I I like talking to people about the team as well. And there's no one better than Joe Lowry, especially when it comes to the tactics and what he's seen from more of an... A national angle as he he does watch a bunch of MLS teams, but he has a very good tactical mind. He is, of course, one half of the MLS Assist podcast. He's always popping in on the Total Soccer Show podcast. He writes some tactical uh, articles for MLSsoccer.com. He's everywhere. You've probably read his work, so it was awesome getting to talk everything sporting Kansas City. Before I get to that conversation, as that's the only other part of this week's episode, I will probably be taking next week off as Sporting Kansas City does not play another game until the 19th when they take on the Portland Timbers and then KCNWSL after their game against the Houston Dash at home uh, on Saturday. They also will not play until June 20th. That will also come in Portland against the Thorns. So for me, if if you've listened to this podcast, you know my background. I I cover some Kansas City soccer. I'm from Portland uh, and I am here in Portland for the summer. I am going to be attempting to get to both those games. I'm very excited about that, but I'm excited for some of those preview episodes and all of that. So keep an eye on your feed for that. But but yeah, I just want to let uh, you know if you're not listening to this podcast uh, in the next week or so, that's, there won't be any new episodes until that preview coming out, most likely to Tuesday before that game. So the 13th or 14th of, of June. So that'll do it for me. And without further ado, I'm going to get this really fun conversation that i had with joe okay i am joined for this episode of the kansas city soccer update by joe lowry joe h- how are you i guess i'm I'll start quite well, kyle and yourself i am also doing doing well it's so awesome to have you to talk a little bit about kansas city soccer and for those listening today's episode is primarily going to be about sporting kansas city uh kcnwsl has one more game going before their break I believe it's a home game Uh, I should probably know the team on that but I do not at the moment so so for now it's Sporting Kansas City who who are off until hosting Austin in in a few weeks so I thought it'd be a good time to talk to Joe who does a little bit of everything he he writes on mlssoccer.com he has some podcasts you've probably heard of MLS Assist or you've heard him on maybe Total Soccer Show if you are into that but Joe I want to start with Sporting Kansas City of course and What are, let's just say, three tactical observations you've made from what you've seen out of the Sporting Kansas City team?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen them continue principles that Peter Vermees has instilled in this team in the past, right? I think back to that Vancouver game that they had where Marco Santos had his Vancouver team sit back in a block, or, or maybe it wasn't intentional, but it happened because Sporting Kansas City, when they have the ball, are still capable of pinning you back pressing after they lose the ball, regaining possession, and then using the ball to create goal-scoring opportunities. So the fact that they've kept a lot of those same principles, I think is notable. Tactical thing number two off the top here, Gianluca Busio, having done a whole bunch of different stuff already in this short season. He started out when Alan Pulido wasn't available for the starting lineup. He started out playing as a nine, and then he played a little bit as an eight, and now he's back at the six. And it seems like that might be somewhat of a more consistent home for him. Uh, European teams appear to be circling around him. And I don't think that's just because he's playing the six, but that's been happening for a while. But he brings, he brings an interesting set of characteristics at the six. And maybe we'll talk more about him later. But I think that's, that's notable that he's been in that spot. And then number three for me, I guess this is less of a tactical thing, but more of a, a personnel thing, but I'm going to pretend like it's tactical. It's been Daniel Schally on that left side. The way that he has performed this year for Kansas City, has given them an extra element, right? Has given them a little bit more dynamism in the attack. He can take advantage of 1v1 matchups. He can dribble inside. And I I know there was all this talk earlier in the year and him missing chances, but I look at it more as him getting in good spots to to take a chance and to, to shoot on goal and he's been one of the most effective wingers in MLS this year. And I did not expect that. I don't think many folks expected that, but he's brought some verticality. He's brought some ability to, to drive inside, to, to stretch the line. He does a lot of things that allow Sporting Kansas City as a unit to get back to a more tactical thing that allows Sporting Kansas City to be the team that Peter Vermees is trying to mold them into consistently in that four-three-three shape.
0: Yeah, I I love that answer on Daniel Shalloway. I know he's been a controversial name among Sporting Kansas City fans over the past year and a half. He had that amazing season when Sporting Kansas City, I believe, went to the Western Conference Finals against Portland in 2018, I believe it was. And then the last season and a half, really, it's just it feels like any chance he created, he, he just couldn't put on target, whether it be half of it just a confidence thing and then the other half of it just being unlucky. And you're right to point out his, his resurgence, I know, going into the season. One of the points of conversation was about the left wing spot. Maybe if you look at this, Kansas city team is very, very strong. If you look at where you'd have to pinpoint a weakness, it might be left wing depth. And, and you see, you have Kyrie Shelton who is on the left wing when Johnny Russell is healthy. And, and so I'm curious, just, you mentioned Daniel Shallowy. What do you kind of think about, we'll just start with the front three attacking three when healthy, you have Alan Pulido, you have Kyrie Shelton and you have Johnny Russell, when not, you have Daniel Shallowy and then uh, Shelton will be on the right side. Uh, and, and you've even seen John, uh, Jean-Luc Abusio at the nine, as you mentioned, as a nine and then a false nine in two separate games, it felt like. So hmm. when you look at what Kansas City is able to do with the front three in that four three three, 3 like you mentioned, just what, what has impressed you? What have you taken away? Just looking at the attacking part of the game where really they haven't struggled at all this season, it seems like.
1: It's a really nice combination of skill sets in that front line. You have Alan Polito who can drop deep and overload the midfield, and then turn and still be a threat in the box after he drops in. Then you have Kyrie Shelton, who's a little bit more of a vertical threat. I think back to when Croatia, I think this was at the World Cup in 2018, they used Mario Mandzukic as a left winger. And, and he's not a winger in any traditional sense, right? He's not, or any modern sense either. He's just a, a target man out there. And Kyrie Shelton has more ability to drive at you and, and use the ball But he's also just a physical presence up top that can be more direct and can be an outlet as well. So you have that profile. Then you have Johnny Russell, who's a little bit more dangerous on the dribble, but also very capable of playing direct and and going downhill. And then Shaloui and the the attributes that we already talked about. I love how this group can change based off of the game and can change based off of the personnel. Yeah, Alan Polito really, though, is the star of this group. He's the star of this team. He's one of my favorite nines to watch in all of MLS because he plays that Firmino style. He plays that role so well where he can do so many different things when sporting Kansas city or in possession. He, he always impresses me when I watch him and he's certainly impressed me so far this season.
0: He plays with such confidence to you look at that penalty kick alone. He took against um, Costa Rica yesterday. If you watched Mexico, Costa Rica, just the confidence he went down the middle, but he put it near the top of the net. Very powerful. It looked like from the angle we were given that he could have skied that. It was going so fast and so high. I'm like, oh my gosh! And then of course, he just—it was a perfectly taken penalty. And that's the the Markov player playing with confidence, whether he's coming off the bench for Tata Martino or he's starting for Peter Vermees. And and so I'm I'm super excited the next time I get to see him in person. Which, crossing my fingers, he stays healthy for that Portland game on the 19th. But I've seen him come off the bench against Orlando City this year, and, and I haven't seen him play a full 90. So on a personal level of being selfish, I hope, I hope to see him. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But, but just kind of commenting off of that, and, and Kyrie Shelton, of course, I also love the space he creates for the front three. I think he is a very under, not undervalued, but for those who don't follow the team as closely, just his ability, like when you think Kyrie Shelton, you're probably like, who can Peter Vermees put in there that's a better name or has more attacking mm-hmm. talent, which really isn't the truth and his ability to create space for and then Polito and then Johnny Russell when he's in is amazing as far as exploiting one-on-one matchups it's just so fun to watch and before I get to the midfield which is even more intriguing in my opinion um you look at the four-three-three, and it's it's the Peter Vermees staple as far as you talk about coaches may or may not be married to a system Peter Vermees definitely is married to this four three three. No matter what happens, I mean, it's to the point where you've seen uh, Ilya Sanchez playing center back the last few games with Nicholas as Matt Marin out. And, and so, what are your thoughts on the four three three? But also with this Sporting Kansas City team that's played it under Vermees most of the time, how how do you notice when that changes when you don't have the personnel available or it changes, and how Peter Vermees has been able to do all of that? Uh, just what do you think, uh, and, and that's impressed me, but I'm kind of curious what your take is on that. Sure, yeah. I think, I think Kansas City's personnel fits very
1: well in that four three three 3 shape. And that's deliberate how SKC recruit and how they bring in players, how they look for players to, to be added to this group on an off-season or uh, even in any transfer window. So I think the personnel fits really well. And Peter Vermees has this ability with this group. The formation has been consistent but he can still alter things within that formation Uh, he can still keep uh, a fullback back back and form a back three and have them attack in more of a three-four three shape we've seen that at times this season Mm -hmm. he can have them play a little bit more defensive in certain games and we've seen that this season as well or he can have them go out and smother the other team with possession like they did against houston most recently they dominated possession in that game ended up winning three to two so this team has a plan A and they have a plan B. And I think that the, both of those plans work fairly well in terms of dominating the ball or being a little bit more defensive. It's just a matter. And this is my question with Kansas city always, or certainly it was last season is are, are either of those plans strong enough to actually win MLS cup? Because with this team, that is the goal. It has to be the goal or, or win a supporter shield, whatever, maybe both. But is, is this team good enough at any one thing to win a trophy, and so far this season, I think the answer's been yes. Honestly, I think it's been a great start to the year. They're second Western Conference right now. They're, I believe, second behind San Jose in second spectrums xG created so far this season. So they're doing good things defensively. The numbers don't reflect as kindly on them in terms of xG allowed, but th- they've done well this season. They've gotten results. So uh, the four through three and how they play within that shape, tweaking things personnel and, and positionally from time to time, and also tweaking things tactically from time to time. I think it's all been working so far for SKC.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that point as far as they have two really good plans of attack depending on the opponent, which is I think what any contender needs to have a way to break down a lower block, but also knowing how when they're in transition, they exploit it. But you're right. It's how dependent on they are on one or the other. And is it two more of not half-baked, but very good, not great. Um, that does enough during the regular season versus obviously the perfect formula is to go all in on one style of play. That can break down any that can both break down an opponent and uh, be the perfect approach in the counter attacking system. And that's like Manchester City levels of tactical setups and player and personnel. And, and, and so, what I think Kansas City definitely has enough for that, but that, that's an interesting point you bring up. And you also mentioned the defense. And when I'm watching Sporting Kansas City, it's one of those in the 4 3 3, if you break them down, it's getting stretched at least be, be between the back line and, and the midfield. And there's times where um, there's spaces there to run at when you had Elias Sanchez and usually uh, ideally Nicholas is at Marin, and um you've had Andre Fontas in there as well. the the back line, and then Graham Zeuci's come back, but you've had Jalen Lindsay on the right um, and, and all uh, Felipe martins or Louis it's Felipe Martins, isn't it? There's two of them Luis, yeah, it's, it's luis Nick okay luis. i should I should very much know that, but left back <laughs> one of the Martins names as I'm trying to think through it, but you look at their back line. And I'm kind of curious if you can kind of go into more of what you've seen from not just the back two, but the back four, because it seems like if you're going to beat sporting Kansas city, well, one, you have a very strong midfield. You're going to have to go through. You have a very, uh, you have a lot in your hands dealing with that front three, but it's kind of getting into that area between the defense and midfield and then making them make decisions to find those spaces.
1: Yeah. I think with SKC, especially when you have Ilya, as part of that back too, in terms of the center backs, Mm -hmm. you are at risk of getting counterattacked. You are at risk of getting burned in a transition situation. And that puts even more impetus on the midfielders and the forwards and the fullbacks and and the pressing players, the counter pressing players to be perfect or to be very, very good, because you're you're still going to get counterattacked on and you're still going to have your center backs in those unfortunate one v one situations, but you want to limit those as much as possible. And, And I think Kansas city have done a good job of that so far this year they've been able to use Elie's skill sets and use his assets in his game rather than always exposing his liabilities and exposing his weaknesses. So I think that's been encouraging. As far as the fullbacks go, you have these players that are positionally versatile, right? You, you see, I talked about it before. They'll sometimes keep one of those guys back early on in the season. I think it was Jalen Lindsay in specific moments, but we've seen it with Graham Zuse in the past as well with, with that right back tucking inside and being coming a part of that back three that's then shifting to a back three, which then gives Johnny Russell or gives Kyrie Sheldon extra space outside on the right. And they almost become not a wingback, but they provide what they stay wide, pick up the ball, and then they can drive inside. It's what Nani does a lot of the time for Orlando city out on the left. It's a very similar idea with Oscar Pereja and Peter Verme. So you have these players, not just on the right, but on the left too for SKC that are positionally versatile, that can get forward or can stay a little bit deeper. And I think that works for them in terms of an offensive uh, approach defensively, it can be a little bit more challenging when you do push. A lot of times, your fullbacks high. There's that space naturally that's in behind, and then you're relying on Gianluca Busio, who's not the most mobile of guys, in my view, at least. And I, I, I'm always curious about Busio. I always need to go back and watch film on him to to continue mm-hmm. to develop my view on him as a player. But you do leave players exposed in the back naturally with how SKC often play driving numbers forward. So yeah, I think it's it's a strong back line in terms of offensive ability. They have some some talented defenders in that group as well, but you're always going to allow some space with how Peter Rumi's likes to attack.
0: Yeah, you're right on that. You know, let's go to Boosio really quick. I know earlier we said uh, that we talk about him a little more. He's definitely one of the names to watch and that a lot of people are. I know there's a report from Taylor Twelman today uh, that there's a lot of interest as always from Italy. So it seems like obviously it's going to be when, not if he makes that move and if it's soon or not. But you look at him, how has your thoughts and opinions on him changed from what you've seen him do this year? And I asked that because I know before the season, I was listening to uh, the MLS Assist podcast and you touched on him. And it seemed like, I don't know, I think it was out of a few midfielders, you were probably had the most questions on him. And you kind of reiterated that in your last response. I'm just kind of curious how your thinking on him has shifted. We've seen him with a couple of spectacular goals. Obviously, everyone's at this point has seen that free kick goal against Houston an amazing piece of skill but we've seen him play like you said nine, eight, six. just how how's your thought process changed on him as the years gone on i want to preface
1: all of this by saying sometimes i forget how young gianluca Busio is i mean he's a teenager he's been around for so long with skc i think since he was 15 right and and then with yeah. the youth national teams as well with the u17s He's so young, but he, he's, he has played a lot of, of years for SKC at this point, which makes me initially think of him as a veteran, and he's not. And I need to remember that. But all that, all that being said, there are still these question marks that I have about Buzio and his game. And part of that could come from the fact that Peter Vermees consistently moves him around and tweaks his positioning because he knows he can. And he knows Buzio can be an average or a slightly above average MLS player at a whole bunch of different spots. So I think that's kind of the Weston McKinney conundrum when, when Weston McKinney was at Schalke playing eighty-seven thousand different roles under tedesco i think i think we're seeing some similar things with busio so i guess that's all of my my big asterisks out of mm-hmm. the way technically he has skill on the ball that's undeniable last year when he played as a six I, I remember a game against minnesota united it was one of his first games if not his first game playing as a six under peter Ramiz. and he just sliced through the other team with his passing he just broke through minnesota united's block played some nice diagonals my big my big Question mark, though, still was he was never under any pressure. Minnesota didn't do a good job of applying any on-ball pressure. He'd received the ball with three yards of space around him in any direction to look, take a touch, make a pass. And, and that's that's been a big reservation I have about his game. Can he play quicker? I think we're seeing that a little bit more this year. I think we're seeing some improvement. My other, my other big question about Buzo is his defensive ability. I kind of referenced it, it. I kind of referenced it earlier. But I don't think – and he doesn't have to be this kind of player, but he's not this – Ball winner in midfield. And so I, I want to see him continue to develop those things. All of that said, getting my questions out of the way, he's a hugely mm-hmm. talented player, right? I mean, he's done so much already for being as young as he is. He brings so much value to that midfield. He compliments Gadi and Espinosa really well, doing a little bit more of the dirty work in the back, playing a little bit deeper, providing some, some progressive passes. There's so much to like about his game. And I'm hoping to write a piece on him at some point soon talking about why these European teams are interested in him. But I, I still do have question marks in my, in my assessment of his game. He's not this shoe-in prospect as I see it. He's not a, a Tyler Adams going over to Leipzig and, and you know, okay, this guy's got it. I don't feel as confident about Busio but that, like that's that's fine. That's mm-hmm. okay. There aren't eighty-seven Tyler Adams out there in the U.S. player pool right now. It's okay to have questions, I guess, as I defend myself here from the Sporting Kansas City faithful. But he's a, he's a huge prospect with a bright future, I think.
0: Yes. Well, you know, the ideal place to see him get some good experience would have been the Olympics. But guess where the United <laughs> States will not be in a few <laughs> weeks? That's the Olympics. I, I do think that would have been a perfect competition for him and some of those younger guys. Or even then you kind of have that shift between that and the gold cup and everything else the U.S. is doing. But one day the U.S. will qualify for the Olympics. And hopefully that's before I graduate from college. That would be ideal. But (laughs) realizing right now I am 18 days older than Busio. So that makes me feel great with what I'm doing (laughs) in my life. It's okay. It, It is okay. But no, I think realistically you watch him and he's just so, it's hard not to take your eye off of him. And that's great. And, and what he's able to do, you want to see, of course, more of a bite on defense. And he's getting there. He's, he's looked better this season. And if he has the set piece element to his game, that makes him like a floor level, very, very valuable. And then if he's able to do a little bit of everything, you kind of go back to what we were discussing with um, the 4 3 formation as far as having two different ways to play. But is it one at a really good at a high enough level? to win the games that matter and you think they are. And I think we're not going to be able to get that next data point on Bucio until that next big playoff game or that next big moment for sporting Kansas city to see him really influence a game in all those different ways that he has been. So I think when he gets to that stage, I think that's when I'm excited to see how he steps up or he could be in Europe by then. And then I'm going to be excited to see and follow what he does in Italy, if that's where he's going or where else he is. Um, and, and then at that point we'll just follow him with the U.S. team in an ideal world uh, and, and you look at where he's playing the midfield I think there's been pieces written about that there's been it's a very talented midfield you look at uh, the Roger Espinosa Gotti Kenda Jean-Luc Abusio uh, you look at uh, Remy Remy Walters as far as him coming in and playing more of a six role there there's a such a depth in that position and how they're able to play in the 4-3-3. It, it, there's always feels like there's a talented player left off the starting 11 because of all the talent they have. So when it comes to their midfield, what have you seen from them? There's been moments where we've seen Walter play uh, as a 6 and an Espinoza as the 8 alongside either a Kinder or a Busio, or It seems like they have three midfielders who can do a little bit of everything. Some have more of a defensive bite than others, but that's been very impressive for me this season, at least um, before this international break.
1: Yeah, there's so much talent in this midfield, and credit to to Peter Vermees as he's gone out and found players that fit his his system well. There's so much versatility in there too. You have Lucio who can play eight different spots. You yes. have Gary Kingda who can who is better higher up the field, right? But can press and can sit a little bit deeper at times defensively and play as that left sided number eight in a four one four one or in a four five one defensively. You have Espinosa, who can do a whole bunch of different jobs in midfield. You have Walter, who can come in and do a number of different things as well. Ilya, there's just, it's a stacked position group. It it really is. And those players complement each other well, and they complement Alan Pulido well as also. I was going to say Alan Pulido well as well. But you have Pulido dropping in, and they can either run, and Gattikina can can step forward and take Pulido's space and, and temporarily play as that nine or they can just combine with Polito and allow him to, to turn and build up and overload in those spaces. There's so much to like about this field group. And, and for me, for the last couple of seasons, it's been the one of the biggest, if not the biggest reason for why Kansas city has been so
0: competitive. Yeah. And I, I think another part of that is when you look at what their weaknesses as the back line, as we talked about, they have enough midfielders to kind of shield that I think the midfield Now, if you're looking at a midfield that's more open, then you're kind of worrying about the center back pairing and the defense and the knock-on effect that has. But the fact that all four players are very solid in the three that get into the lineup, and now you look at what the dual eights are doing there with Busio and Kinda most of the time, and there's those areas that get stretched. But then Espinosa, a very underrated MLS player who's been so good for so long at his ability to put out fires, put in a hard tackle, Uh, just talking to some of his teammates this year, Every everybody says that he's one of the players they look up to in practice, and um, who has a big is an important part of, of their careers and their success. So um, you just can't underestimate what Roger Espinoza does uh, for supporting Kansas City. And before I let you go, Joe, I have one one question, and and that is, let's say a player wants to come to Kansas City, whether it be the barbecue or the cheap cost of living or the good soccer environment, right? everything that Kansas city has to offer. What, what DP would be an ideal, ideal target. Now, I'm curious what you'd say. Anyone in the world, let's say an ideal player, it doesn't have to be realistic at all. And then, then I, we can go to a realistic option as far as what you think Peter Vermees could do um, bringing a DP, but for now that anyone in the world who can benefit the system, benefit in the system. For- Virgil van Dijk
1: is my pick for anyone in the world. Um, I'm always inclined to go center back first, center back always. But yes. I, I think with how SKC play, it, it does roughly mirror what Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool team looks like positionally and in terms of, of the style. Liverpool can also oscillate between having more possession and, and then pressing more and defending a little bit more. Van Dyke would provide so much value at that left center back spot. He can cover for players as they push forward. He can, he can defend in behind. He can play that high line. He can also distribute. And I, I think he would do so much good for this team. In terms of a, a realistic DP, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what SKC's budget looks like right now. I don't know how much cap room they have to go out and and to make that move, right? I I think this is a roster that's fairly complete. I'm not saying there couldn't be more more here. And if Bucio sold later this season, we could see them, them come in for another central midfielder. But we've already talked about the depth that they have in that space. So I don't, when I look at this group, I don't necessarily see a huge position of need. They they've already made a move for a center back in the off season, which would have been what I would have said. And I always will say that maybe they don't need fullback depth, right? They have young players They have Amadou Dia on that left side, who's a very capable MLS player. We saw him start a few games last year. I I I genuinely struggle to find a position that SKC would would need a spot a a glaring area of need Kyle is there a spot for you that you feel like they've been lacking
0: before the season I talked with Bad Bell uh, of SB Nation's uh, Blue Testament so that's the team uh, the site that covers the team and and the conversation it was kind of the same type of thing and this Kansas City team so good it's fun to it's fun to do those mental gymnastics about which amazing player can we bring to Kansas city (laughs) so uh, that they can be even stronger, but that's another testament to one, what Peter Vermees has been able to do with this club in a long amount of time. As far as you look at the Academy, they are playing Academy products left and right, and they're still at second in the West. It's an ideal organization from that point. Uh, But to get back to your question for me, we talked about the left wing and that was before Daniel Shallow. We looked yeah, really, exactly. really good. And that's been very impressive. Like you immediately go to like left wing, right? You have Johnny Russell, which we haven't even talked about him much when I was in this conversation because he's just so good and amazing with what they want to do. You have Polito. So left wing midfield, you really can't do anything. You're right. It has to be either a center back, maybe a right back. Maybe you can, you can mess around and say right back or left back. Um, just on the defense, you don't really need to worry about your goalkeeper because Tim Melia is so good. And so you're right with this team being pretty complete. I think I don't even know what you'd want as a right back. I know just cause Graham is getting up there in age and, but you have Jalen Lindsey who's been pretty solid in the minutes he's played. So then you go to the left back and back to Luis Martins. Maybe you want a left back as an Everton fan, maybe like a Lucas Digne <laughs> would be great. Mm-hmm. Just, just saying that name at left back, but. But yeah, you're you're absolutely correct on that. I think that, it, I mean, if RSL is in the ring for Messi, just in some hypothetical, I don't know if you saw that article um, that put him in the, not in the conversation, but just brought it up like, oh yeah, RSL. Does this, or no, it wasn't Messi. It was for it was Sergio Aguero. Aguero. Yeah. It was Aguero. Yeah. I'm like, does he even know what a Salt Lake City is in oh relation to Los Angeles or wherever he'd be commuting from in the, in the state? So I guess if that's possible um all that has to be done is a relationship between Sporting Kansas City and Liverpool and then have it in yep. Virgil van Dijk's contract that he will sign a 5-year yep. deal with Liverpool and then afterwards they have first dibs to um pay pay out his contract I guess and be the next team but I guess all that's going to result in is them getting his discovery rights and nothing happening with it so I don't know who who knows I'm just having fun in this thought experience experiment <laughs> but but yeah, that's, that'd be fun. Virtual van Dyke would be a fun name. Well, Joe, I wanted to thank you for talking a little bit about supporting Kansas City. Definitely a good start to the season for them before this international break. Sitting in second, they will be playing the Portland Timbers in Portland on the 19th. Um, but before that, actually, I forgot they had the game against Austin move. That game is on the 12th, I believe, the Saturday before at Children's Mercy Park. So Joe, before I let you go, where can people find your work?
1: Yeah, I think the best place is on Twitter at Joe C. Lowry. I'll, I'll always link to different different work that I'm working on or different things that I've, I've put out there, podcast writing, whatever it is, at Joe C. Lowry is the best spot to find all that good stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, Joe, it's always great talking. We got to do this a little more often than once a year, it feels like. <laughs> just Just pick your brain. It, it's very awesome. And... And yeah, so that will do it for another episode of the Kansas City Soccer Update. I, I'm Kyle Pinnell, and you can find me at Kyle underscore Pinnell underscore, and of course the podcast at Soccer at the Zoo, that's C O U. Enjoy the international break. I'll probably take the week off as well, and I will be back to preview that Timbers game coming up, or maybe even now nah, I'm probably not gonna do the Austin game, probably the Timbers game, <laughs> and, and talk KCNWSL as well.